man, wasn't that so, so good? Man, so good. Look, Sunday of Hope last weekend was absolutely amazing. And I just want to say a huge shout out and a thank you to every person that served to make that possible. I mean, it was absolutely one of the best things that I have ever been a part of. And there is no way we could have done it without the tons of people that it took to pull that event off and that experience off. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, thousands of lives were touched in a powerful way. And uh, we're going to be, be able to see the fruit of that in eternity when we step into heaven with Jesus. And it's just absolutely amazing. I want to say thank you to those who give to and continue to give here at the church. Your faithfulness and tithes and offerings, it's what allowed us to be able to bring hope to our community and to our church and uh, just really absolutely the key to the foundation of what allows us to really take this ministry and the vision of God forward. And we estimate, look, there was about 1,500 people that were there in person in their cars. I don't know. It's a pretty cool experience, right? I mean, think about everybody who was honking. And in fact, if you were there, why don't you give me some hearts? If you can, show some love. Why don't you just say, that was me. I was there. Put it in the comments. I'd love to see everybody says who were there. If you missed it, go back and watch it on YouTube. Uh, we have the whole worship experience posted on YouTube. And it was just such a great moment and, and a message of hope. Really one of the highest viewerships online as well. So not only were those people there, on, on site, but even watching online. And I, I want you to notice, 43 people said yes to Jesus in the parking lot, uh, not to mention those that were watching online. Just an absolutely amazing day. Uh, so many cool God stories that I've heard about. And one in particular, there was a man on Saturday night. You guys remember, we were out there practicing, uh, setting everything up, going through the rehearsals. And uh, a guy had, him and his buddy, had the windows down sitting at the red light, heard it, saw us, and decided to pull into the parking lot, and they did, sat there, didn't know what it was, but said, hey, it sure sparked our interest. They rolled the windows down, they're listening, and it is worship. And they said, listen, man, they, they weren't planning on being there listening to worship. They said, actually, we were planning to go somewhere that is actually the opposite of what this is, and said, just felt like something compelled us to sit here in the parking lot. They sat there for 20, 30 minutes while we were practicing towards the end of practice, and said the presence and power of God was so strong, they couldn't leave. They got out of the cars, they went up and talked to, to Owen and, and my wife and a couple of others and said, man, this is exactly what we needed. Uh, we're going to come back tomorrow. So they ended up coming back on Sunday morning and uh, sat through one of the worship services and gave their lives to Christ. And, absolutely, and here was the so cool, they, they posted on Facebook and just an amazing moment of how God would use even the practice to draw hearts to come and experience the power and the presence of God. And so many great stories like that. People are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, just an absolutely amazing, amazing day. Uh, you know, so I'm grateful for what God's allowed us to do. Uh, grateful that you're watching today. I recognize that many of you uh, we're going now into the seventh week, uh, you know, sixth, seventh week of this coronavirus pandemic, the physical isolation. And what's happened is it feels like it's a roller coaster ride. Uh, lots of ups, lots of downs, and we've all experienced them, right? I mean, we've got some high moments, and then we've got some low moments, and uh, we're just trying to find normal life in abnormal ways. 
right? I mean, there's so many things that have changed. You still have to go through life, but I'm having to learn new ways and do things in, old things in new ways that I'm not used to or nor am I comfortable with. And it seems really hard, and sometimes it's easy to get lost in all of this. And, and I recognize some of you feel like you're drifting. Uh, you feel like, man, I, I feel lost. It's, it's been really difficult. Uh, some of you might even feel like you're dying on the inside. It's like, wow, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I was really on fire for God, and then the coronavirus happened, and this physical distancing, and now I feel like I'm dead. Maybe, maybe I'm dying on the inside. And I don't know what's happening. Look, I want you to know that today I've got a word from, for you. I felt like God really dropped something inside of my heart. Uh, and it comes from Psalms. It's really the, the passage that really birthed this inside of me. The psalmist is declaring, look, will you not revive us again? Revive us. Who, who's he talking to? He's talking to God. There's something in his heart. He's feeling dead. He's feeling like things are dying on the inside. And he's saying, God, will you not revive us again? So in other words, look, I was alive. I felt like I had strength. I felt like I had what I needed. But some things have happened. Circumstances of life have happened. And, and I feel like I'm dead or dying. And I need you to revive that inside of me. And I just want you to know that's okay. The psalmist is articulating some things that I think we're feeling. It's like, God, I, I was on fire for you. I had a passion for you. And now I'm just trying to make it through my life. I'm just trying to make it through this moment. And so I want to encourage you today. We'll cry out to God. God, revive you. You're the only one that can resurrect what's dead and dying in my life. And I believe some of you, you've been asking God, God, would you revive me? God, would you give me strength? Would you give me your power? Because you recognize, look, over the last couple of weeks, you've tried to do it on your own, but you recognize you can't. Why? Because revival only comes from God. He's the true source of life. We can stay busy. We can mask the pain. We can, we can say, ah, well, it's not so bad. But the truth is, when we become still in the presence of God, when there's nothing to mask or numb the pain, we recognize, listen, there is something dead and dying on the inside. I mean, I've got to go to the one who is the source of life, the one that can revive me when I feel like I'm wasting away. He has the ability to resurrect uh, what's dead back to life. Look, I remember in 2016, uh, my dad was in the hospital, went to the hospital, started, had some chest pains, and was actually life-flighted to Memorial Hermann at the medical center. Found out he had major blockage in his heart. He had to have a triple bypass surgery uh, just to keep him alive, and we were so grateful for it. And I'll never forget, he went into the ICU step-down unit after the surgery. So family was all around, but we'd gone back home because he's recovering. And I get a phone call that the doctor had found more blockage. See, dad was in distress. And so the nurses were nervous. His blood pressure kept going, spiking up. His, his pulse was spiking up. And, and so the doctor comes in and says, you know, Ron, there's, there's, there's blockage that's happening. And we didn't get it. We actually didn't even know it was there because if we'd have known it was there, a quadruple bypass at your age is, is too uh, risky. And so they found it. Now they got to go deal with it. And they put him back in ICU. And I'll never forget this morning. I was, I was hearing about dad's condition. 
They're about to take him back into surgery. My mom and brother said, hey, you got to come back to the hospital. Dad's not doing so well. So I jump in the car, start heading to the hospital. And I'll never forget getting the text when I arrived at the hospital. My brother said, Steve, he said, look, hurry, man. Dad's not doing good. I don't know if he's going to make it. I'll never forget when I got the text, I started running through the hospital. Because I had that thought, what if my dad passes away and I didn't run? You know, I'm like, oh, I don't want to look stupid. I thought, no, I don't even matter. I'm just running. I started sprinting through the hospital. I get over to the cardiac unit, open up the elevator. The doctor who was working with my dad happened to be in the elevator. We get in the elevator, go to the cardiac floor, get out of the elevator. Doctor starts to go back into the ICU unit. And uh, he said, come with me. We're going to go see your dad. And so I get to go back there, get into the room with my dad. And I didn't know how bad it was, but my mom, my brother sitting on one side. The nurses are on the other side. They've got the paddles there to shock my dad, to get him back to life. And so they're shocking my dad. And I'll never forget the trauma of just seeing my dad come in and out of consciousness. And the nurse grabs my arm and says, come over here. Come speak to your dad. Talk to him. I didn't realize this then, but I found out that they actually want someone that that person knows, a loved one, to speak into their ear and say, you're going to make it. Come on, dad. You got it. That's why I begin to say, dad, you got this. Dad, don't leave us. And they ended up reviving him eight times that day. Literally brought him back to life. Listen, God's like those doctors and nurses. He wants to bring you back to life. Some of you have been living on spiritual life support, and God wants to bring you back. He wants to revive you. He wants to give you new life. He wants to help you have the strength that has wasted away. You've drifted away from him. You've separated your life from him, and it wasn't even intentional. You've just gotten lost. You lost your connection. And now it's caused you to feel like you're dying on the inside. It's not because you're evil. I don't think it's because you're rebellious. I think it's just because the coronavirus happened. Look, it caught us all off guard. We're trying to live the normal Christian life in abnormal ways. And none of us ever imagined that we'd be forced to have church online. Think about it. I know that many of you right now, you're like, I'm having church online You're sitting in your living room, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're at your place of work, and you thought, listen, churches, I'm only going to church. I would never even want, you heard about online church, you said, I'd never do it. But here you are, having church online, not because you want to, but because we're forced to. Some of you, look, you you thought, I'm going to always go to a small group. I'm going to always connect with people. Who would have imagined that we would have physical distancing, and we'd be forced to connect with people via Zoom calls? I mean, nobody. It's not because we want to. It's just the, 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 the situation we find ourselves in. Who would have imagined digital outreach? I mean, right? I mean, all, all this digital technology. You want me to do a watch party? Like, I'm going to go out into the highways and byways, and now there is a new highway and byway. It's called digital outreach. I mean, it's just a new normal. And this is what I would caution us. I don't think any of this is going to go away. I think people wanting to go back to the the old normal. There is no old normal. It's a new normal. And someone said, well, pastor, when's it going to end? Look, I I don't know. When's this physical isolation going to end? I don't know, but I know the God who does. And I do know this, that even though we're not going back to the old normal, the new normal can be good for us if we embrace what God wants to do in this moment. And some of you, look, what's, what's happened is instead of getting better, you find yourself getting bitter. 
you, you've got this moment of pain and frustration, and, and I just want you to know, look, we've all had that moment. We've all felt pain. We've all felt frustration. And the problem is, if we're not careful, it causes us to die on the inside, and then we just got to go back to the one who can revive us. God, I need you to revive me. Will thou not revive us again? And that's what we're asking God. God, revive us. Look, when, when I find myself drifting and falling away, God, revive me. How, how, do, I, how do I find myself and, and, and then get myself back to where I need to be? Listen, I think there's a couple of things that I, I think this morning will really help you get unstuck and to find your way back to the one who can revive you. I think we've got to focus on the basics. Focus on the basics. What do you mean, Pastor? Look, I remember back in 1992, I went to Port Natchez Groves High School. Come on, P-N-G. Uh, my brother and Jason Turner goes to our church. He, we all went to school together. I got friends back in uh, Port Natchez Groves watching this right now. Come on, Indians, you know what I mean? I, look, I was on the freshman football team, uh, played left guard in offense, strong safety on defense, and uh, my offensive coach was a man named Coach Pachuca. Come on, Steve. You remember Coach Pachuca? He had a Tom Selleck mustache. Now, you may not even know who Tom Selleck was. Magnum P.I., come on. He, he had that Tom Selleck mustache. and uh, just He was a great guy. He was a great coach. In fact, that year, our varsity team would go into the state playoffs. And so he was, he was a great coach. He knew what it took to win and to be a champion. And I just remember one day in practice, and I'll never forget this day, our offense was working on some creative plays, trying to be cool, you know, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to outsmart uh, the other team. And I'll never forget Coach Pachuca said, hey, Kyle's, you guys, look, y'all stop all that nonsense. And I thought, what do you mean nonsense? Like, that's how you win, right? We do trick plays. We, we do things in a cool way, and we're just going to outsmart the enemy. And uh, he said, Kyle, if you'll block the guy in front of you, that's all I need you to do. Just block the guy in front of you. And then he said something that I'll never forget. He said this. He said, look, you want to win games? Stick to the basics. I thought, man... Coach, well, I want to win games, but I thought it was about outsmarting the, the opposite team, the enemy. He said, no, 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 just stick to the basics. Do the basics and do the basics well, and you will win. And I thought, man, he's right. That's, that's what I think as we walk through this, we might be missing. Like we're trying to innovate and do all these things. And look, the church, we're going to be on the front line of innovation, but we cannot miss the basics of the faith, the basics of what got us here connected to God, connected to the source of life, and allowing ourselves to try to do new things or outside the box things. Listen, let's stick to the basics. If we will stick to the basics, we will win in the game of life. And I think the coronavirus has caused us to get distracted. Whether it's intentional, unintentional, doesn't matter. We just stopped doing the thing we were doing before we got to where we're at today. And I want to be your coach, Pachuca. That's right. I want to help you focus on the basics. So what are they, Pastor? First one is this. i got to focus on my relationship with God. Here at the church, we say this. We say, know God. I want, I want to know God. It's the first foundation for us as believers. Some of you feel dead on the inside, not because you've disconnected from God, but because you've never connected to God. 
You never surrendered your life to him. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 says, The God who is rich in mercy made us alive. That's right, say alive. Come on, everybody say it to your, your television, your phone. Say, say alive. Some of you, that, that word right there speaks hope to your heart because you have felt dead and you're like, I just, something feels dead though I'm physically alive. I'm not spiritually alive. I want you to know God in heaven has given us mercy and he will make us alive with Christ. So it comes through a salvation experience. Isn't it amazing how he will give us that, that the alive, that, that just this salvation experience that brings death to life. And some of you have never experienced that. Look, I want you to know at the end of this, I'm going to give an opportunity to pray a prayer of surrender. And in that prayer, I believe God's going to take what's dead and bring it to life. Now, some of you, you've experienced salvation. So it's not that you're not connected to God, but you're dying because you've disconnected from God. It's not a condition of salvation. I believe your salvation is secure. Once you've given your life to Christ, surrendered it to him, that salvation is secure. But the problem is you've not recharged or refilled by connecting to the source of life. And you've got to do that every day. You've been disconnected. You've been running on empty. And so, look, John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. This is Jesus speaking. He says, look, you're the branches, so in other words, look, the vine, the branches, look, I'm the one. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, he said, you're going to bear much fruit. But look at what he says. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Some of you have been trying to survive and, and make it, but you've not connected to the source and you've wondered why you've not been able to do anything because you don't have the power. You don't have the connection. You don't have the strength. And so we've got to make sure that we are focused on our relationship with God. We've got to focus on spending time with God daily in prayer, in worship. We've got to read our Bible. We've got to get back to the basics. The second thing to get us back to the basics, we've got to focus on our relationship with people. People. Look, we only find freedom in the context of relationships. Some of you feel like you're dying because you're all alone. And it's affected you, this feeling of loneliness, the feeling of dying on the inside. It's, it's really had this, this dying effect. It's like, man, I, 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 you weren't created to live life by yourself. And because the enemy has been able to isolate you, he's disconnected you from real, authentic relationships. You know, before this, you were spending time with people. Before this, you were going to small groups. Before this, you were connecting with others that were helping to inspire you to go down the right path. You were doing life with people. And then the coronavirus happened. You're like, well, I don't know how to Zoom. I don't want to Zoom. Maybe I just, I'm going to be okay. And now we are six, seven weeks in and you find yourself isolated and alone. Look, you're watching online, but you're not connecting with people. And that's the challenge that we have to watch and be careful of is that we can think watching this right now is great. Wherever you're watching it, praise God. It's awesome. But watching doesn't mean that I'm connecting. So I got to connect. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 says two are better than one. Two. So look why. Because if one falls down, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without someone to help him up. And so we got to say, God, I, I choose to do life with a friend. I choose to make sure I'm not isolated and alone. Look, the devil wants to trap you. And when you're alone and isolated, you're now vulnerable. And some of you are struggling. With, look, look, this is the truth. Some of you, you're struggling with things that you haven't struggled with in years. 
Like you gave your life to Christ, you had a salvation moment, and God set you free from drugs. God set you free from worry. God set you free from anxiety, from alcohol. Maybe it's pornography, maybe it's fear, but God set you free. Even from self-reliance, the whole thing of God, I trust in me. No, baby, when we gave our life to God, we now put our trust in him. But you find yourself going back to some of the things that God set you free from, and it's because we haven't had the relationship with people that we had established before that kept us strong in moments of weakness. And so now, look, I, I just need to know, you need people now more than ever. And God uses people to bring healing into our lives. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now think about that. Healing comes in the context of relationship. So I'm confessing my sin one to another. Why? Because when I do, the Bible says, look, that we might be healed. We're going to pray for each other. And we experience healing. Look, forgiveness comes from God, but healing comes from people. So we got to go back to the basics. Focus on relationships. Join a Zoom small group. That's right. Listen, we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. That's right. Why? Because we understand that it's in the context of relationship that I can experience healing and that God can revive my life. Third thing I think we've got to focus on that's a basic is we've got to focus on discovering my design. That's right. My design. Your purpose. The, the why. Why are you here? You, you're not an accident. Some of you, look, you, your parents told you you're an accident. Look, we didn't mean to have you. Though you weren't planned, I want you to know you're not an accident. And the reason you're dying on the inside is because you don't know who you really are. You're living a pseudo life, a fake life. What do you mean, pastor? I thought I had a pulse. I got breath in my lungs. Why are you telling me I'm living this fake life? You're living a fake life because you're living your life for other people. You know what I mean? So, so you got, you're living for other people's dreams, other people's expectations, but they're not really God's expectations and God's dreams that he placed on the inside of each and every one of you. Look, we love people, but we're not going to live for people. We live our life for God, for his purpose. And every one of you, look, I want you to look into my eyes, every one of you, have a purpose. You have a reason for being. You're not an accident. I don't care what anybody says. The psalmist in Psalm 139, 14, look at what he says. Is this David speaking? Praise you. I praise you. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. And I know that full well. Some of you, you don't understand how God made you. He made you fearfully, wonderfully. Like you're unique. You're a one of a kind. You're a, you're, you're a valuable treasure that God crafted and made. And so if he did that, then that means there's a reason and a purpose. God doesn't make junk. He doesn't make something by an accident. He puts a purpose behind the per person. And look, people, they define you by how they meet you. But God, he defines you by how he made you. And so stop allowing people to label you and then living up to those labels. Uncover how God created you, your unique design. We got a way to help you. Look, next week we're kicking back off next steps. Come on, I am so, so excited. If you're excited about next steps, come on, give me some harps. Say, come on, pastor, I'm ready. It's excited. It's going to be amazing. Next steps, what is it? It's our four-week class to help you uncover your unique design. 
Those classes, they last about 30 to 45 minutes. They're going to happen every week, starting next week. And it's going to take you on a path to discover how God created you, your unique design. Stop allowing people to label you and live up to God's design. Not people's labels, God's design. Here's the fourth basic, final thing. I think we've got to focus on leveraging our life for eternity. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I mean, it's... We're supposed to make a difference. Some of you feel like you're dying because you're not a part of something bigger than yourself. You got a mission. Look, you got a purpose. You got a reason. God created you, and, and here we are. We, we feel like, man, I'm dying. I just I don't feel like there's life inside. But it's because you're not engaged with the mission that God gave you. Acts chapter 20, verse 24 says, but my life is worth nothing. This is Paul talking. It's, it's worth nothing to me. In other words, it's worthless. How, how could you say that, Paul? He said, well, unless I use it for finishing the work that's assigned to me by the Lord. Oh, so if you're not doing the work you were created for, it's almost as if I'm wasting my life. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's right. That's what Paul's saying. Look, the work of what? what? What is the mission? Telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Then I'm going to tell people. I'm going to shout it from the rooftop. Listen, it's not just my responsibility. I know that that Sunday of hope was awesome. And we can all gather. And it's amazing. But look, it's not just my responsibility to preach the gospel into all the world. It is yours. You and I have a mandate. You and I have a mantle. And it is us that God has given the torch to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I get it. Listen, people say, well, what do you mean, pastor, preach? I'm not a preacher. I'm not like you. That word preach has a misconception in this American Christianity, the American gospel and culture. Look, preach is to proclaim the goodness. Everybody can proclaim the goodness of God. Everybody can declare the goodness of God. Every one of us have the ability to preach. When we say preach, it's not a platform. It's not a microphone. It is the fact that I will declare, God, I declare how good you are, that you saved me, you set me free, you touched me, that in the midst of this coronavirus, that God, you have been with me. And though there have been painful moments, there are moments of hope. Though I have felt like I'm withering away, God, there's moments where you raise me up. And God, I just choose to declare your goodness. I don't have all the answers, but I know the God that does. And that's the beauty of the mission and the mandate that we would make a difference. Look, it's not about just helping people physically. It's not about just helping people even financially. It's about helping them and connecting them back to God. I don't want to do good things. I want to do God things. And what good is it for us to do good things for people on earth without pointing them into eternity to the one who created them and loved them and died for them? See, we understand that God is the only one who can resurrect what's dead and dying in our lives. The psalmist, he, he, will you not revive us again? I love it. Just, God, will you, will you just, just revive, revive us again. I love our name of our church. It's called Anchor Bend. And the thing I love about the name when we 
decided that was us we, there was a team of us talking about it. anchor bend actually it, it what it is it's actually the knot that ties the anchor and the rope together it holds it together anchor bends so, so look we're not the anchor that's god we're not the rope that's people but you know what we want to do we want to be the thing that connects you to god like you got to have the relationship but thank god for a place that will point you back to god a place that says listen when we get distracted we're trying to get get life together and we forget all about god i want you to get back to the basics because i can't give you life but i can point you to the one who can i can point you to the one who has resurrected me and we just decided a long time ago that our church i remember when god spoke to me he said well what's your church all about it's connecting people to God, helping them have moments of life change where the God of heaven can revive your life. And there are some of you right now, listen, we're talking about revive, like refresh, renew the strength of God. But the truth is, you've never experienced life in your life before. So, so you know about God, but you've never connected to God. So it's hard to revive something that's dead. This is your moment. Remember I said I was going to come back to a moment to connect you to God. This is your moment.